1: The Around the NFL Podcast. Doesn't
3: trust men in fedoras. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Uh, Happy Tuesday.
4: We're in the wrong city. Why? What's up? If we don't trust men in fedoras. Oh. Yeah. There's a lot of posers walking around the city in, in fedoras. Yeah, a fedoras,
3: them? Wes, you own your baldhood, and you've embraced it, and you're you're pulling it off. But a lot of men aren't comfortable with being uh, uh, having mm. a receding hairline or a bald spot. You know, the, the old Pete Sampras UFO uh, crop circle. These aren't the people wearing fedoras. Well, a lot of people do, though. A lot of them use it to cover up the baldness.
1: What are, who are you pointing to, Wes? What
4: subset? I'm talking to the posers, usually the guys hanging out in West Hollywood with their golden locks mm. of hair underneath a fedora.
3: <laughs> How do you know that? Waiting
4: in, in line to get into clubs as if there's no other clubs in the city. Speedy they need which, to get into that one club with the line.
3: Wes has been going to clubs lately. Stop. Yeah. With, with his new girlfriend. and uh, So you ha- you're starting to see a part of the city that none of us as married old farts. We don't see it. You're in there with a the thumping EDM with the bottle service with the Fedoras. Take us behind the uh, velvet rope.
4: And went want. one time. <laughs> and I'm not happy about it. I did it to be a good boyfriend. I mean, and I had and I have fun because the paramours' friends are fun. Yeah. But that is not my scene and I can't believe it's really anyone's scene. Well, it is a lot of people's scene. Right, especially in LA. Especially people under the age of you know, 40
1: I'm way too old to be in a club. Did they get you? Did you do any dancing? Did you buy any bottles for people? I don't dance.
3: Put it I, this way. The one photo that showed up on social media, Wes looked like he was Photoshopped into the back of it. <laughs> not the most comfortable uh, setting for a Wes character.
4: No, I'm not at home there.
3: And that's totally fine. I'm not like really. Does this do anything for you? Uh,
4: I mean, I don't even think this was played there. It was more like your better have my money. Well, you like that. That's or, good. Work, 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 work. <laughs> oh, my
5: gosh.
0: <laughs>
4: it's, all, it's all that stuff where it's just the same line repeated over and over and over again, and everybody loves dancing to it. This entire segment, by the way, was brought
5: to you by a conversation. On the upper floor I thought we needed to start reaching out to some of our younger <laughs> listeners. Yes.
3: I don't think they, they would were. They were like, reached- get West to talk about Rihanna. <laughs> we need more millennial connection. Huh. There is there's now six children involved with the direct um the four of us heroes Wes is the lone wolf now in terms of out on the city. So whenever you do have one of these experiences even if it's because the GF or Paramore as you call her um takes you there you just got to report back to us what's going on out in the streets. Yeah, I'll streets f- talking. You got to let us know what they're saying. I don't
4: really have boots on the ground when I'm at these places. I'm more like a wallflower hmm. just sitting back and enjoying the show drinking a few drinks.
1: I don't like the assumption that we are forbidden from, you know, going to the same places. What? Uh, Mark, it's over. Uh, <laughs> I, mean,
3: I don't want to be the one to tell you, but it's just not a good I mean, it feels A guy over, with a wedding so. band uh, with two kids at home.
1: Okay, you pegged me. I'm not going to the same place as the West. Big show I'm not t- even going to the same places as me. <laughs> <laughs> Big
3: show today. Uh, sponsored, of course, by Mr. Flame's economics class in The Hague, The Netherlands.
2: Mister-
3: Got the Monday Night Football game from Mexico City. Mexicola. I'm very excited uh, to talk about that game because that was an interesting, if, uh, if not frustrating, experience as a fan. We have some news to get to, including a uh, certain nicotine loving quarterback <laughs> uh, out of the Illinois area. Uh, I don't know if he actually smokes, uh, but he's associated with it. For the last time. Uh, Our final Stick a Fork in 'em committee uh, gathering. We met earlier today, had the Danish and the coffee and and all that good stuff. And we're going to fork some teams, finish out our Stick a Fork uh, series for the 2016 season. And then we're going to preview the three Thanksgiving games. Whoa, Greg. That's a full meal. Abba, Abba. Let's get get right into it. Sid, a little Monday Night Football. (laughs) Monday Night Football! They play the games on Monday night and it's televised. Original lyrics. <laughs> yes, at Mexico City, Azteca Stadium. Aztec? Anybody? Uh, Aztec.
5: Yeah, you're close.
3: Aztec Stadium?
5: I like that. Stadio Azteca. There you uh,
3: go. Uh, yeah, uh, which was a very fun environment. Uh, to watch a game, and it looked like it was a lot of fun to be there. The Houston Texans and Oakland Raiders, a back-and-forth game where the Houston Texans came out of their shell a little bit, looked like a team that was on the verge of winning, uh, had a lead, uh, but the Oakland Raiders woke up from a slumber, and then after a controversial um, third-and-fourth-down set of downs uh, in the fourth quarter, Derek Carr took the field, and this happened. He's going to throw left, real quick like, to uh, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper! Se
5: les ba! Touchdown, Raiders! 35 yards. The pass was quick.
4: Cooper caught it. He split to defenders. Off to the races.
3: Touchdown, Raiders! Armando Quintero, Westwood One Sports with the call. That was the game-winner final score, 27-20. The Oakland Raiders now 8-2. and two. Can you believe it? The Houston Texans, uh, Mark Sessler, a frustrated 6-4 uh, and four now, and you can understand why.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, to pull back the curtain a bit, we were all texting during the later stages of this game, and I think the Texans off of A – The DeAndre Hopkins situation, which we can get into. But for me, what really got me upset was watching two spots in a row where the Texans were going to go for a critical fourth down late in the game where the refs seemed to be seeing something completely different than Gruden and every other single person watching this game. That was an unbelievable job by the refs. Well, it
3: was third and one, uh, right? It was third and one. Yep. And a, uh, a carry where it looked like uh it was Lamar Miller correct yep where he got it looked like he had reached and gotten past the the marker replays showed that it was clear that one yeah. was clear and bill o'brien this is the one you could give him a little flack he didn't challenge it that right. one looked like it could have been overturned it was pretty obvious and then they go for an, a fourth down which you got to give to me, that's some that's some pretty big onions that you're hanging there because you can kick the field goal, tie game, and go up three points at that point. But O'Brien said, "You know what? I want to go for this whole thing. Either get the touchdown or chew up the clock more before kicking another field goal." And they get the first down. I don't. I don't even want to hear it. They got the first down. He reached. He when he got taken down, the ball car carry was past the line, and then he reached. And they again don't spot it. This time it's challenged, and they don't get it. Well, that's
5: why you can't criticize O'Brien for not challenging on third down because based on what we just saw a play later, they probably wouldn't have overturned it because fourth down was almost as clear, if not clearer. O'Brien didn't want to waste the timeout either. He had faith he could get a yard. He also explained after the game, he thought they needed touchdowns to beat the Raiders at that point in the game with everyone so tired. And And you know what? He was right because his defense couldn't stop him two straight times. Now, you might want to ask Billy, if you thought you needed touchdowns, why are you punting the ball on fourth and five with three minutes to go, that was an unbelievable lack of faith in Brock Osweiler, which I get. But you gotta you gotta try to win the game
1: at that point. It was tough to get any stops, and, and they couldn't get them. You're not punting to an offense that doesn't know how to perform late game magic, right? You're punting to the Raiders, who you could just felt them coming at you at the second half. They're gonna take the take the top off this thing, and it's not
5: a lack of onions either because he just went for fourth down. He went for fourth down early in the second half in a tie game in his own territory. People forget uh, that play was a big-time call by O'Brien, ended up leading to points for the team. So they had guts. I thought they outplayed the Raiders for three three quarters plus. It was 297 yards to 120 with 11 minutes left in the game. Wow. And then
4: the Raiders did the, what the Raiders do. Wes? The setting played a key factor in this. Playing in Mexico City, you had the laser in Brock Osweiler's eyes. That was the all. Laser
3: pointers are back, Mark. That means <laughs> upset
4: by the poor footing for Raiders wide receivers who are dropping passes. But then the, <laughs> both, the altitude. Both, both defenses were gassed in the fourth quarter, and because the Raiders have a quarterback, they took advantage of that. Jack Del Rio showed a lot of faith in Derek Carr. Bill O'Brien showed very little faith in Brock Osweiler with the game on the line, and I think that was the difference. The Raiders have a – as Bucky Brooks would say, the Raiders have a truck and the Texans have a trailer.
1: I mean, and it's at this point, I can't fault Bill O'Brien for not wanting to give everything to Brock Osweiler at the end of the game, and it's the exact opposite for the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders are surging – in a way that I don't think, even though we thought they'd be good, their record is, is, they're right there in the AFC. Let's face
3: it, they got lucky to win this game. They got some help both on the DeAndre Hopkins play on the sideline uh, in the first half and then at the end on the third and fourth down, which again, I still can't believe how that played out. Uh, But at the same time, when you're you're a team like the Raiders, when you start to get hot and then there's a little bit of juice around you, things seem to work. Mojo, you're a big fan of Mojo, Greg.
5: The Texans felt like they won this game. You know, the Bucks felt like they won their game against Oakland. The Ravens felt like they won their game against Oakland. The Chargers felt like they played out, outplayed Oakland. You can go back to about five or six of these Raiders games where it seems like they just pull it out, but they played their best in the fourth quarter. The numbers say it. I mean, Derek Carr, all those throws were on the money. Jalen Richard from the Bayou. I love this guy. They got <laughs> to get right. him the ball a little more. Two big-time plays, game-changing plays, the touchdown, and then the big-time call I thought of the entire game was that second down deep throw to Richard. That really yes. that showed a lot of onions. I
3: I thought I know the, the numbers don't, don't really scream at you, 6.2 yards per attempt. I thought there were some, some strides from Osweiler here. I thought he was competitive. Uh, for the most part, this is a far cry from a guy that signed that big contract. But I thought, Wes, and you're shaking your head, but I, I didn't think he was great and Derek Carr was superior, but I don't think he, he killed him in this game like he's done in other weeks. Oh, I can't <laughs> believe it.
4: That's, that's fair, but you're setting the bar awfully low. I am. And uh, you're overlooking – everybody's overlooking one of the biggest problems with Brock Osweiler. This offense – should revolve around playmakers DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. The passing game should. Instead, because Osweiler can't go downfield and they want to do a ball control offense, the passing game goes through C.J. Fedorowicz (laughs) and Ryan Griffin, their tight ends. (laughs) Will Fuller had more yards in his first two games than he's had in the last eight weeks combined.
3: I think Fedorowicz was targeted 47 times in this game.
1: That's Brock Osweiler's offense. De- depending on what happens with this team do you would you say that Brock Osweiler is a guaranteed week 1 starter for the No sure no. I I'm not even ready him. to say he's a guaranteed week 17
5: starter I All mean right. I thought I like you said Dan I thought he showed uh some strides then again there were two throws he threw into the Raiders chest that if they had caught either one of them mm-hmm. we might think about the game uh, a little differently you never know this team might think we got to win some games here if he plays that bad, because they they have a defense. I mean, they had the Raiders. They, it was a great game plan. They outcoached the Raiders for three quarters. They had the Raiders stopped. and Clowney had about as good a run stopping game as as we've seen anyone have all season. Your
4: boy, you're you're making the leap. Is he making the leap? I think he's made a, a, a leap. Ask Vince Wilfork if he's made the leap. <laughs> what did Wilfork say? Wolfork told the Monday Night Football crew that not only is he the best defensive player on their team, he would be their best defensive player even if they had J.J. Watt. <laughs> <That's>,
3: <laughs> all right. Let's,
5: that's yeah. crazy. J.J. I mean, <laughs> Watt's
3: one of the greatest players of all time. It's an outlandish insult yeah. to J.J. Watt. Will Ferks, yeah.
4: like, texted
5: Gruden and be like, hey, I didn't think you were going to tell anyone that. <laughs> Come <laughs> yes. on, man. I was just <laughs> yeah. saying that. You know, I was
3: drunk. Did you guys see the J.J. Uh, J. Watt uh, Players' yes. Tribune uh, column? No. So, I refuse yeah, yeah. to read it.
1: Right up your alley, Dan. Yeah, you yeah, need yeah, a chuckle. I thought of you.
3: Need a chuckle. That's all. I can't get into it anyway.
1: What do you what are you saying? I just
3: some of it. I mean he's just,
5: not the the new William Faulkner And it?
3: as I was on my old high school field watching the children run by with J.J. Watt jerseys and sneakers, <laughs> I realized that the game has nothing to do with the money, the one hundred million dollar contract or the numbers or the all pros or the MVPs. It's about the kids. I right. come back to us, James. It's always about the kids. Come back to us, Justin James. All right. That's Monday Night Football. Hey, Sid, how you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm good.
3: What's What's going on? What's new with you?
2: Oh, you know, life happens.
3: <laughs> we, You've
5: been having some some traumatic things happening.
3: Yeah, we didn't, we didn't really touch on it because it was a busy week last week. But as people who follow the show closely know, uh, last Tuesday, one week ago today, uh, we had a, a bit of a technical glitch uh, in the posting of our Tuesday show that led to A little pullback of the curtain.
2: Yeah, pretty big, pretty big pullback of the curtain. Yeah, you know,
3: maybe some uh, expressive language got through the old filter. Uh, (laughs) And so I start getting... uh, The curtain was
5: burned, (laughs) thrown out into the street. It was doused in gasoline
3: and then a mattress thrown at it. So some salty language from the old Zeuser ends up being on the live show. So I start getting tweets because our listeners are nothing if not extremely plugged in, and they want to be in contact with us, which is great. I get uh, a multitude of tweets, more than I've gotten from any show. Hey, bro, you better check out the show. I call Sydney. I say, Sid, we got a problem uh, with the show. Sydney's on the phone leaving the office. She's in her car. And what happened, Sydney?
2: Well, uh, traffic stopped. Yeah. And I did not. And I rammed into the back of of somebody else.
3: Were we on the phone? Were you texting at this point? No, no. Let's get through. Let's figure this out. Well, I I I
2: got... I got your message at a stoplight and promptly turned around mm-hmm. to correct. To
3: mine. go back to the office to, to make back. the edit. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: And in my distracted state, I turned away for about three seconds.
5: <laughs> oh, no. And there it was. Wait. So the call was distracted like your head is like in the clouds? Like my head was
2: in the clouds. Yeah. The,
5: the same thing, the same exact story happened to me when they called me to come into the office because Aaron Hernandez was involved in something or other and i wasn't i suddenly my mind was in the clouds and i ran over a <laughs> curb and but that's
3: just know, like that just because you're like what was aaron
5: hernandez in involved
4: in well we're not allowed to
5: talk oh, no, about no, no. Uh, aaron Hernandez. who
3: hey he said i feel i certainly feel a little bit responsible i dropped the f bomb i'd say so uh, and then i made the call but that was all trying to help you at that point right so my hands are on some level clean but <laughs>
1: But what about the first part? It's
3: you know, what the f bombs? Yeah. Well, you know,
1: I mean, it's another reminder that it's a positive that no one of even small importance in this building listens to this show. Otherwise, we might have been caught. (laughs) So, I
3: just I thought of an idea because I do feel a little bit bad, and um, not bad enough to pay for your repairs, Sydney. (laughs) Because I am—I was wondering about that. I'm a father of two, and I I have no money right now. Likes money too, and I like money really. (laughs) Um, but. I had the idea. What if I just throw it out there to the listenership? Some type of uh, GoFundMe. What kind of what kind of mm. damages are we talking about to the car?
2: Uh, well, early estimates are like four grand, but luckily Whoa. I've got pretty good insurance. Oh, okay. So, so
3: what? How much? Mu- how much are you going to be out of pocket? I'm
2: going to be out probably five hundred bucks. Oh, okay, that's not too bad.
3: How about this, listenership? And this, and we'll throw this maybe in the uh, greeby and the subreddit. They do such a great job over there. Maybe we could start a little GoFundMe to pay for. Uh,
1: Sydney's—is uh, this distasteful? Oh, I mean, it's. No. I'm not sure it complies with corporate law. But again, no, no one is listening to this show. Fly Maybe on. some type of fundraiser for
3: the listenership. Uh, Save Sydney. Uh, an SOS. Save our Sydney. Uh, to pay for her car expenses.
4: The way I understand it, millennials ask each other for money all the time. <laughs>
3: West
2: created is, apps for that very purpose. Wes actually, right.
4: I thought the people
5: upstairs talked to you about no more of the anti-millennial yeah. screeds.
4: That's not even anti. I just said they, they asked each other. Totally for ruined all the need, whole Rihanna thing we did before.
3: You're going to need more electroshock treatment, Wes, if you don't stop. <laughs> anyway. Before
4: I left Tybee, this one girl asked for money so she could go take care of elephants in Alabama or something. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Sounds like anyway, or something.
3: Anyway, Sydney. SOS, Save Our Sydney, uh, $500 fundraiser. Uh, we'll see what we can do. Uh, you know, I'll kick in some money. I I, f- I feel I think we Yeah, the, the least you could yeah. do
1: is kick in a a hearty amount of cash. Okay,
3: <laughs> fill in the <laughs> love, guys. All right, let's do some news.
2: Scott Tolzain.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. Scott Tolzain. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, I can't wait for uh, Scott Tolzain uh, to play football again. All right, let's start. With uh, the Chicago Bears and their quarterback situation, Jay Cutler expected to miss the rest of the season. The Bears quarterback is believed to have a torn labrum in his throwing shoulder. Uh Rap sheet and Mike Garofalo. Garofalo? Garofalo? You Garofalo. Look
1: at him, hey. Garofalo. 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 Garofalo.
3: Uh, reported Tuesday, awesome. Cutler is undergoing a second opinion uh, in hopes the results come out differently than uh, but Greg Rosenthal, this certainly looks like not just the end of the season for Jay Cutler on a going-nowhere Bears team, uh, but uh, quite obviously the end of Jay Cutler in Chicago, period.
5: Yeah, it's amazing it lasted this long, and that was you know partly because of the guaranteed money in his contract and partly because teams are so desperate at quarterback that they try to convince themselves into anything, and another team will do that for Cutler this offseason. I don't think he'll have any shortage of suitors, if RG three can get a halfway decent contract in a week one starting job, RG Jay will Cut- have a lot of
3: suitors. Oh, here we go. That's
5: true. Jay Cutler will though. I mean, it won't be great options, won't be great teams, but he'll be a starter somewhere. Hmm. I no doubt. Uh, no doubt.
3: What's his paycheck gonna be?
5: Thirteen million.
3: Does he have
1: to compete for a job, or does he might be a get second signed.
5: second round rookie or a rookies
1: with him? I think he like might that. have to compete. Yeah, maybe. Unlike RG three, who you know certainly flamed out, Jay Cutler has probably fifteen, uh, you know, previously fired Bears slash Broncos assistants around him that were largely burned by Jake Cutler and may not be willing to sign Most up. Most of them again. are out of the league. John well, John Shoop and Mike Martz aren't offering anyone. Maybe ask. that would be an indicator to stop <laughs> making excuses for Jake Cutler.
3: So he'll be quarterback who's won the one Jets playoff teams. game ever. I really. I'm not. All I'm Jets. saying
5: is he's going to be a starting quarterback making a well, lot how, of money.
3: He doesn't have a ton of options, by the way, Greg. It's not like he it's has early. ten different teams. Well, you could kind of read the tea leaves on this. How many? How many teams really are looking for Jay Cutler at this point? Um,
5: Jets maybe. Jets, Jets maybe. 49ers. Do we are we sure Carson Palmer's playing football again next year? I, I, mean, I would
4: assume he is. I gonna, would assume, I would
1: not assume point it. Point is just that it's 49ers, not like a ton of places. Jacksonville and You can't know. say
3: the 49ers twice because then it just makes oh. it seem like you have more teams. <laughs> but it's really You scary.
1: throw Romo into the mix too. I mean he could be filling one of those vacancies somewhere. How Maybe he, whoever
3: ch- doesn't get Romo ends up sit, you know going with Cutler. Who
4: was sitting on the bench at Eastern Illinois while Tony Romo was starting quarterback? Bears general manager Ryan Pace.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean that that that's going so to require the difference there is that's going to require Romo saying yes, I want to be a part of. Oh, it. And that I want to go there.
5: I, I think the Bears thing is interesting too because all these guys are gone. I would guess Cutler's going to be gone, Alshon Jeffrey's going to be gone, and based on what Ian be. Rappaport's reporting, our NFL media insider, it sure sounds like John Fox is going to be gone.
4: So it's like another start over, big time. This is not the best news for John Fox, even though he wanted to banish Jay Cutler earlier in the year because he's going to have a harder time saving his job. But for Ryan Pace, it helps you get a better draft pick, starting Matt Barkley the
3: rest of the way.
1: Are we assuming that Ryan Pace has won anyone over? I mean, what's I happening? think Ryan Pace is – I think
4: he's fine.
3: Let's move on, gentlemen.
5: Matt Barkley for six games. Give me a break. Maybe David This fails. should be like a week or two thing. Six weeks is a lot of We've,
3: games. I can't imagine we're going to spend too much time talking about the Bears uh, until the off season because for all intents and purposes, it's over. But we'll still respect them. We'll talk about them. We do I mean, that they're I They're going to play what? other teams, and we'll
5: have to watch the
1: games because of the teams that they're playing it might matter. Well, we, all, we won't all have to watch them. Someone will be assigned to the Bears on a weekly basis.
3: Like I said. Many times the old inside the NFL model, every term, every team gets coverage. We don't care how bad you are. Not a ton of coverage.
1: Well, we're except Jets for and, the Matt Barkley led Bears, <laughs> Jets and Browns will tell you we don't care how bad you are. They dominate this show.
3: Well, you know, get your own podcast. You know what I mean? Don't come to me <laughs> saying there's too much Jets. Go listen to another podcast that the old
1: zooser's not on. Me personally, yeah. Well, no, anybody, any critics? Huh? Just pointing out, you know. Some of the gripes, some may have. Who are you beholden to, Dan? Not a not a damn person. That's right. Yes.
3: All right, let's move on. The Patriots have an offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels, who uh, everyone is in love with again. The proper amount of time has passed where we forgot what happened in Denver, so now he is the hottest name on the head coaching market. And he would like to set the record straight on a t- during a Tuesday press conference. Uh, this is according to Boston Herald McDaniels. Uh, cited recent reports about him outlasting Bill Belichick and taking over uh, in New England, calling them unfounded. And then he had this to say, I definitely, definitely would love to be a head coach again. That from CSN New England. Wes, your thoughts on this?
4: Well, I kind of teased a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to talk about Kyle Shanahan and Josh McDaniels. Ooh, I forgot about that. Yeah, you you know all about the Peter principle, that you keep getting promoted until you reach a point where you're, basically going to reach a failure point basically you're no longer eligible for the role you're going to have the four of us <laughs> I like to call it the Tony Kornheiser principle back you know in the late 90s he was the best sports radio guy on air he was good on PTI and as soon as he went to Monday Night Football I was like this is a terrible idea why does nobody ever realize their their limit their ceiling be satisfied with being the best in the world at what you do we have in the NFL, we've been taught... Over money the... is the answer. Oh, okay, you know okay
5: what that's fine. The but, but
4: happiness means a lot no, more I, to bu- than it, money to me.
3: Ambition bites at the nails of success.
4: I don't know what that means, but think, sounds smart. Think about it. <laughs> I, what I'm saying is we need to th- rethink the way that we assume that coaches are going to be hired by NFL teams. The top 12 teams in the NFL right now, according to Football Outsiders Offense not a single head coach calls the plays. So if you hire Kyle Shanahan and Josh McDaniels, are you taking away what they do best Right, and making it a non-factor? Uh, what are they qualified to do as head coaches? Mm. They're qualified to call plays and design offenses. I don't know that that makes them great head coaches. Well, I,
5: I totally agree. It's a, to, it's a different skill set, which is why I give the Ravens, for instance, credit when they hired John Harbaugh. They saw him – and the skill set that he had as a special teams coordinator, as a guy who could lead men, who could manage a lot of different divisions, who could make decisions, who can be organized. It's a guy who's organized. Mike Tomlin is
4: similar with Steelers.
5: It's not necessarily just, do you have a great offense? Now, with that said... Josh McDaniels has been in the most successful organization. That hasn't worked for other Patriots assistants. I thought Dan Pompey... Didn't work for him the first time. He- didn't either. But I, I thought he, Dan Pompey wrote a great piece um, about McDaniels this summer. A lot of inside access where McDaniels said all this. So to me, this is not news uh, in the sense that he's out there saying he wants to be a head coach. I think guys can learn from the first time around. There is nothing better than, than learning from experience.
1: I think Josh McDaniels, even back... During their Super Bowl appearance, when we were there with Super Bowl week, and I remember standing near McDaniel's talking to reporters, and I he explained how he had grown and what he had learned from the Denver experience, which by the way was a long time ago. Uh, I I took him at his word. I think he I think he has. He was thirty four. I, I, I would refute the idea that we should stop hiring coordinators to become head coaches because as often as it fails, and you're right that the just hiring the hot name doesn't often lead to success. Bill Belichick was a hot name and one of the best defensive coordinators. You, where are you going to hire them from? You're only going to hire linebacking aides and I'm, and, and I'm speaking aids? more
4: to offensive coordinators.
1: I mean, I because get it. when, I get you, it, when but you keep
4: that job as head coach, you're not as able to
1: concentrate on the rest of the areas I, that head coaches should be concentrating on. It's a good. It's an interesting take on where we should be pulling coaches. Because there's obviously a lot of la- there's a lack of success. there. teams keep going through it, but a bright play caller has also probably learned um, from multiple head coaches during his tenure. I think it looks, it's not whether or not they're a good play call or what what they're going to do there. Where have they come from? Who have they worked under? What is their overall philosophy? These coaching interviews, if they're done right, you find out about the man and the organizational ability, not just what what fans see on Sundays. So it's a much larger question than, where they were before I, what
3: they were doing. I knew Mark, you would pound the table for the coordinators. <laughs> right. you, boys but historically they, in a big spot. I would say They're coming to their defense. But
1: to Wes's point though, the I think it cuts against human instinct to say, I think I'm good enough and I'm not going to keep trying to do more than this. But it's been proven over and over that the hot coordinator is a is a coin flip. Right. Head th- coach. Think of
5: think of guys some of the best coordinators in football right now. Rod Marinelli. Lions. Wade Phillips, maybe one of the best coordinators of all time. I think you can make the case, you could put him in the Hall of Fame for what he's done as a coordinator. Sometimes
4: that's the best way you're going to be able to help the team. And this is my point. As a fan of the NFL itself, as a fan of good quality football, I want Kyle Shanahan and Josh Josh McDaniels concentrating on play calling, not Mm -hmm. running a team. Well, it's it's also their
5: offense and their schemes, and you would hope... That's the thing is, when I... When you hire a head coach, I think you want them to bring something to the table. So it's nice when they bring an offensive system to the table. So otherwise, I don't know. What are you hiring?
3: We all agree McDaniels will have a new job. Yeah, I think January. it depends. I think if the, he yeah, wants February. one.
1: The New England no. thing is a big factor. He's got a lot of kids, and I'm not sure that he that he would just move the family to the wrong opportunity. Right, there's, it's got to be the right
5: opportunity. There's two big factors. One, do the Patriots make the Super Bowl? which is sometimes a, a big factor. The teams want to wait. And then two, which jobs? You know, I wrote about coaches on the hot seat, a little hot butt talk. Mm,
3: Can't believe you I'm embracing the hot butt.
5: Um, on All this time. week's debrief, NFL.com slash debrief. Th- there might not be a lot of uh, job openings this year. What if, On paper, it might be three. You know, it might it might not be a
4: ton. I couldn't imagine him refusing, say, a Packers or Colts opportunity sure. Sure. with Andrew Luck and Aaron exactly. Rodgers. Agree if he gets the right job.
3: Let's move on um, real quickly. One of my favorite quotes of the year uh, from a, f- one, uh, a favorite of the Around the NFL podcast, Steve Smith, speaking to Jenny Vrentes of the Monday Morning Quarterback, had this to say about motivation at age 37 at this stage of his career. There are times when I go out there and play and I look at it like this. Everybody has kids, right? I want my son, if he decides to play, he's playing against the guy who possibly I played against his dad, and he could say, my dad beat you like a drum, so I'm going to beat you like a drum. Generational ass whoopings. I look at it like that. <laughs> Generational ass
4: whoopings. Steve Smith. Come back again in 2017. John Harbaugh said he's welcome back, absolutely welcome back. Mike Wallace is trying to recruit him to come back for another year. I don't know. I kind of doubt it will happen, but I'd like to see it.
3: Eight ninety nine and one this past Sunday. He,
4: he's He's their best receiver. It's their best offensive player, not named Marshall Yonda.
3: All right. That's what's happening in the news. Get out your cutlery, boys.
1: Stick a fork in them.
3: Ooh. All right. This is our final uh, final time. We will convene the fork committee earlier today. We, uh, we met downstairs in a conference room. Uh, Mark brought coffee. Delicious, Mark. Sure, thank you. Uh, Greg, you brought locks. Gross.
5: That was good. Well, you need to bring bagels with them. I brought I the bagels. Like. Okay.
3: Seems weird. Wes, you brought a, like a, a lot of muffins, like a surprising amount of muffins. I love
4: a lot of good no- nooks and crannies. The English muffin.
3: <laughs> you brought English muffins <laughs> as well. That's right. And we talked about the teams uh, that would be nominated for the fork. And what is the fork? If you're a new listener to the show, uh, when we decide to fork a team. That means they have no chance of making the playoffs. It's over. Go home. Smell you later. Still listen to the show if you're a fan of the team because you never know uh, what will happen next on the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, but your team season is over. Um, earlier this season, uh, we forked the following teams, the Browns, the 49ers, the Jaguar Jaguars, the Bears, the Jets, and the Saints. Uh, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. The Saints were the only one that kind of – Spooked us a little bit, but I'm feeling a little better uh, a couple weeks later.
5: Yeah, they're four and six. They're still the only team on that list with any chance to take the fork out. But it's it's an uphill battle.
3: So far, so good. But we, if we really, you know, if this exercise is going to be effective at all, we need to, you know, up the numbers a little bit here. Hopefully, we could fork another five or so teams and and get into double digits. So let me just go down a list. I have in front of me six nominees uh, to be forked uh here uh 2 days before Thanksgiving and why don't we start with an interesting one the Arizona Cardinals and this is what we got going on with the Arizona Cardinals former team of ATL former team of ATL which certainly means something they are 4-5 and 1 uh their their head coach just got out of the hospital uh he's been having health problems uh they got beat by the Vikings on the road pretty handily even though the score didn't look like it and their next three four games nothing Easy at Atlanta, home to Washington at Miami, home to New Orleans, at Seahawks at Rams to close the season. Are we ready to say goodbye to Arizona? No chance of making the playoffs, Mark.
1: Yes, I am. I think. I think you know. If anything, you know, we're hours away from December on some level. West was ready to do this weeks ago, and I was not then. And I would have put them a bunch of but above a bunch of other teams with a chance to climb back in. Not now.
3: Wes, I'm, I'm imagining you still feel the same way about Arizona.
4: feel even more emphatic about it, especially with those four tough road games. Yeah. Atlanta, Miami, Seattle, L.A., all on the road. And we concentrate a lot on offense and defense in this show. When the Cardinals look back on this season, they can thank their special teams for keeping them out of the playoffs. They have been killed right. by special teams this year. Right, They would have been 6-2 and two going into last week
3: if Cannizzaro hit two of those I kicks. Mean, how different is that if he even just makes what was the – the equivalent of an old uh, extra point against the Seahawks in that or 6-6 game.
4: They don't give
1: up a 104-yard touchdown to Cordell Cordero Patterson. Yeah, but that said, their offense, you have a fatal flaw with your offensive line right now, and that's not going right. – that stuff doesn't get fixed <laughs> a between problem. November it, and – uh, like the, Carson the,
3: Palmer doesn't look good. He's not moving well, and he doesn't seem to be the nothing same Nothing wrong guy
4: with his
1: arm, by the way. The, the, no,
5: he made some good throws last week, but the Cardinals in their last eight plays last week against the Vikings – or maybe it was 11 plays, that they had chances to try to win the game. Like, they they didn't have a single successful snap.
4: Palmer was getting
5: hit on every one of those. Every single play. There was either backwards, no gain. It it was like, hey, let's try to win a game. No, let's try to get a yard. They couldn't do that. (laughs) Yeah. So fork them.
3: There's no magic. All right. Cardinals forked. Yeah, gone. Next up, uh, Mark Sessler, a team near and dear to you. It's personal. Still not sure how it got personal, but it is personal. The Green Bay Packers will start right there.
1: Whoa. I'd be happy to fork the Green Bay Packers. Um, they they scare me a little bit uh, just because I think just what's woven into my memory about who they've been for so long, but they are not that team right now. And you got to get out of your own division, number one, I think in the NFC oh. North, because there's a lot of teams in the NFC with two or three more wins than them right now.
3: Here, here's where they stand. They're four and six. They've lost four straight. Um and if you recall, and this is something to think about, even though this is not the same Packers team, they did almost beat Atlanta on the road, lost 33-32, and that kind of put them in a tailspin a little bit here. Uh, but this is what they got next. At Eagles, home to Texans, home to Seahawks, at Bears uh, the next month. Wes, where do you stand?
4: I am not forking the Packers. Mm. The Detroit Lions are not a good football team. They're a terrible defense. The Vikings, if I remember correctly, Mark essentially wanted to fork them last week. He said they have no chance of making the playoffs because they were on a four-game losing streak. One win can turn all that around. This is a bad division, and the Packers close against the Vikings and Lions. Right. That's the key. That's key. And Aaron Rodgers, by the way, has play, played pretty well the last few weeks.
5: I mean, they still have the best the best hope of a a guy, like seeing a quarterback dominate like if, if push came the shove would I take Rodgers or
1: Stafford the rest of the year I'd still take Rodgers. Well, I didn't think I was gonna get this done. Um, I just simply no, I, was I the, am simply I was on the fence. Utterly bored by the Green Bay Packers. I, I think there's, gonna, no, there's no way around it. I'm not I'm tired of assuming that they're gonna go right ten and six and go in and get wiped out in the playoffs again. Get some fresh blood in there. If they
5: don't win in Philadelphia, they are three games back with five to play. So, as weak as that division is, that the math is just tough. You got you're gonna have to start winning some surprise games.
3: I will say, Mark, as a long term, we're both longtime members of the Four Committee. Those are kind of two separate things, though. Whether you're sick of the team and whether they actually can make the playoffs.
1: Hundred percent. I think they need to go five and one down the stretch to be nine and seven. I think eight and eight could take this. It's a bad division. I, I think. The, right. I think the other two, one of those other two teams, is going to go three and three and get to nine and seven. That's fair.
3: All right. Well, we'll see what happens. For now, the Packers are safe. The next team we'll talk about. Let's uh, swing over to the AFC. Talk about a team uh, close to Chris Wessling's heart: the Cincinnati Bengals, or they could not be. be farther from my heart. They used to be, but maybe there's something well, I, I think deep they are buried within. Not even that deep. A couple layers into one of the ventricles. Uh, West.
5: There would be no West of us if they West weren't Cincinnati. close to your heart.
4: No, there is a West of us because they're so far from my heart that I have glee in their mm. disappointment. You There's. ever heard of the phrase love and
5: hate, two sides of the same coin? It's mm. almost like an well like put, a, like right. an
1: ex-wife or something. Like, you know, you've been through a lot. You're battered. You almost kind of don't want to see them succeed or you don't. And yet at the maybe underneath it all, your heart is still a little bit alive. Right.
3: It happens all the time in America. Yeah. People get divorced and get remarried. Yeah.
1: I think a lot
4: of times with an just
5: ex-wife. It's like a little night at the ho- motel, something like that.
3: You and I, the Bengals.
4: I think a lot of times with an ex-wife, it would be natural to have mixed feelings. It, it'd, be, uh, it'd be a little unsettling if you were just flat out bemused by their antics, by her antics. Well, I, that's how my relationship with the Bengals. They per, they're they endlessly entertaining to me.
3: All right. Well, here's what, where they're at right now. The Bengals are 3-6-1. and one. Uh, They have not won since they beat the <laughs> yeah. Browns last month. And, and does that count? It technically counts, but we can't. We're not handing out lollipops. Here's what they have coming up: at Ravens, home to Eagles; at Browns, home to Steelers. A lot of division games in there. I would have forked them before they lost Gio Bernard
5: and AJ Green. Yeah, that's to the, the injury, Giants. Lost to, to me was the fork moment.
3: I'm with you, Greg. I think that uh, I would be on. I would. Looking at that schedule and seeing how many division games they have, I would have said, let's hold off on this. But the A.J. Green loss, and I know he's not having surgery, uh, but their offense, Gio Bernard, that hurts, obviously, but no A.J., no hope. I don't like these
1: teams that can't protect the quarterback, that have major problems up front, and they're back against the wall and there's any assumption that they're going to turn it around. The Bengals are cooked. Wes? I tried very
4: hard. To concoct, to concoct reasons why the Bengals had a chance to salvage West of us. Can't do it. They're going to be 3-7-1 after they lose at Baltimore, and they will lose at Baltimore. This I'm going to have to fork them because of the tie. I could see eight wins – Eight wins what? taking this division, but the tie is going to kill. I this. can't see this team winning eight games without AJ Green and Gio
5: it's Bernard. Not a good division. Greg. They'll be lucky to go two and four the rest of the. They, week. they could go. go oh, and they could go three
4: and twelve. It wouldn't shock me. They have to go five and one to get to eight wins. I don't think that's possible. I agree with you. They're much likely to. They're they're more likely to go five ten and one than yeah. they are to go they're, eight seven and one.
3: They're more likely. It's more likely that they get a top five pick than West of his continues at this point. That's yeah, how things have. Uh, derailed in Cincinnati. so They gone. They gone. Maybe a new right. coach, too. Making progress here. You think
1: I'm, Marvin's I, got a hot butt? I don't think that organization is one that is rooted to constant change. We know that. If Mar- anything, people would argue they kept Marvin Lewis for too long. Marvin
5: Lewis was ready to step away from the team after 2017, put it in writing if they agreed to hire Hugh Jackson at that point. Mike Brown said, mm. I'm not getting involved with that which I don't blame him. That's just weird. Two years is too long in the NFL to do some sort of weird succession plan. But that shows you Marvin Lewis is thinking about, like, I kind of want to get out of here soon.
4: I think I'm- anybody who thinks that Marvin Lewis's butt is hot because the Bengals might fire them, fire him has no – appreciation for history with the Bengals franchise whatsoever or the way they operate. They're a mom-and-pop organization. They don't operate like the other 31 organizations.
5: I
1: think what we're saying, though, is not him necessarily being fired. No, I'm saying – But him walking away. Or right. him but,
5: going into the front office. Like I could see him staying there. Sure. And hiring a coach, absolutely. But you, you
4: guys aren't the only ones. Like, a lot of people are saying Marvin Lewis should be fired or will yeah. be fired.
3: I don't think that's the way Mike Brown does business. I've never met Marvin Lewis. I've seen him at hotel bars at the Super Bowl, but I've never met the man. If But if I were him and I'm saying I'm looking toward the end of the line here, I thought I might have had a Super Bowl team last year. I got banged by an injury bug and then a crazy playoff game. The next year, we had some personnel issues. How about this? We reload a little bit. We get some better playmakers around us. We take another shot of it in 2017. And if it doesn't work then, maybe it's time for me to Yeah, go. I, I think he's got one go, more year. Yeah,
4: go use your high draft picks and go compete. Rebuild that. I mean, they don't even need to rebuild. They've I've already seen, got a good roster. I've
5: seen the thought in Cincinnati that it's like, okay, let's let's fire everyone. Let's start over. This regime's had its run. This window's closed. This team has a lot of good young players. Their nucleus is around. It's not really changing. I well, don't think their window's closed at all.
1: You know what Marvin Lewis can bring to you. And I, you're right about the, the Browns aren't about to go get rid of someone. But the thing is, if you if you fire someone, you've got to go find someone better right. to take his well, job. And those guys just aren't Right, there. go hire Dave Shula.
4: No, they're more likely to promote Paul Gunther if they're going to do anything. That's the way Bengals do Well, th-
1: you've let three head coaches get out of the building. I don't think Paul Gunther, at this point, looks good after you've, you've got three right, after Zimmer. potential right. Two playoff coaches. People were talking jacks. about Gunther
4: as a head coach prospect last offseason.
3: I'd I'd rather hire Gunther, the barista from the friend's coffee <laughs> shop,
1: <laughs> which which I think he's available. You had you'd have your options if you were in somehow put into a front office. Unlikely though.
3: I met that Gunther at a Hollywood bar like seven years ago. He had a pretty high, uh, you know. Uh, Belief in himself.
1: He doesn't strike me as the charismatic type. I think the, the, See, he pretty I think high on himself. He met you. I don't think you met him. I think at this point <laughs> you're, you've got more going on than Gunther from Friends.
3: I would like those residual checks, though, if he gets any pop on that end. All right, moving on. The Chargers. Greg, this one. Th- now, this is near and dear. Uh, you were very st- felt very strongly about this team. Uh, but they had a bye last week. The week before, just a killer loss at home to the Dolphins. Uh, they let that one get away. Phil Rivers threw four interceptions in the fourth quarter, as we know. Uh, and here's where they are at four and six in a division where everyone seems to be eight and two or close to it. Uh, at Texans. Okay. Home to Bucks. At Panthers. Home to Raiders. At Browns. Home to Chiefs. Now. <laughs> Understand, Greg. I know where you want to go here, but you said yourself last week. I'm with Greg. How bad that loss was against Miami. Four and six. Go ahead. It was tough. They have to win out. Got to win out. Look
5: at their schedule.
3: It's it's conceivable. It was oh tough, boy.
5: and they lost Brandon Meebane, which is a big loss for them. They, they just, Every week, uh, another big injury. I don't care. Football's not logical. Their run to the playoffs a couple of years ago, where they ended up winning the last four games of the season, then winning the playoff game wasn't logical. This team... I like it. I think it's got talent. I'm not
1: giving up on it. Back the truck up, Greg. You've just attempted to use logic to explain why the rest of the teams we've discussed are in or out, and now logic, because it suits your whims, has no
3: bearing. And again, he basically told us that the Chargers were done after last week, but now they're back in.
5: So I've had a week to calm down and let the emotions Die down. Does
1: this have the DNA of a team that's going to rip off six straight wins? Yes. I get that their schedule is not. Yes. Sim- no, <laughs> it does not. I think it does. I think it's if any. If it's I was
5: without blinking. If I was picking a team that is under five hundred, that would have the so to for the sake of this exercise, you got to pick a team that's under five hundred to kind of come out of nowhere and win you're six. A fan yes, boy. this is it because they you're, got some talent.
3: You're one of those fans that every loss is a fluke and shouldn't have happened. Their longest winning streak this year is two games. <laughs> And now they're going to rip off five. Row. Oh, and by the way, and I don't know who who's buying Maybe it.
4: Maybe the Chiefs fall apart.
3: There's a lot of
4: things going wrong okay. with the Chiefs. They're not going to be a heavy underdog in any of these games. In fact, I would Let me just favor them in most of them.
3: The Chiefs have already beat them once, so that's basically a playing game for them. They have to beat them there. Well, they got to win all these games. But they also lost to the Dolphins. So if the Dolphins are hanging around at nine or ten wins, they they lose the Maybe tiebreaker there. Maybe nine wins there.
5: gets in. Lots of crazy things happen.
4: No, they got to have ten wins. they got to get. They got to win all six of these.
3: All right, so you guys believe that could happen. That's fine. If you really want to like, be that way, I just I want to be on record. Mark, I thank you as well. Here's what I'm not, gonna I'm not going to be doing. I'm
4: not
5: going to be sitting in there on Week 17 Sunday night, Alan, Chris watching the Go-Go Chargers get into the playoffs that night on the backs of a Philip Rivers touchdown to Hunter Henry and be like, why did we fork them? I, I thought this could happen. What reality
1: do you live in?
3: <laughs> uh, Sydney? can we get the uh, San Diego Superchargers' sad piano music queued up uh, for Sunday night. Absolutely. Okay.
4: We have four, t- two teams so far: the we Bengals have. and Cardinals. Next, both yeah. are broken teams. I don't think the Chargers are a broken
3: team. They're not broken, but they're four and six in a, a conference where it's unforgiving, and a division as well. Let's move on to the Rams. They survive, though. Yeah, we got to pick up the pace.
5: The Rams got three games to preview.
3: We're gonna get to it, Greg. Don't
5: worry. We're getting there. <laughs> Just want to get Mark out on time. You know.
1: I am unwilling <laughs> to leave the show early. When we've got a lot to do, don't waste. Start. Don't let's continue as we need to, David, In this segment, this is important. Thank
3: you, Mark. I appreciate that. This one shouldn't be too complicated. No. The LA Rams are four and six. We all believe they'll probably finish seven and nine or eight and eight. At Saints, at Patriots, home to Falcons, at Seahawks. Smell you later, right? You're gone. They're not getting to seven wins. They'll be lucky to get six. You're right.
5: They're. They're. I love this stat. Um, the beat writer from the Rams for ESPN.com sent out. The amount of losses after 10 games for the Rams the last six years. Six, 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 six. Every year under Jeff Fisher. The exact same year. He's a metronome (laughs) from hell. (laughs) And I was like, why did they phrase it that weird way? It was because one year there was a tie, so they were like three, six.
4: Mm, Well, Jared Goff, you can cite the rain. You can cite – a rookie quarterback in his first start. He was a downgrade on Case Keenum. I'm sorry. Well, it was one game. Let's, let's. He was a downgrade. So we expect him in his second career game to be a major upgrade? No. You can't do first read and throw it every single time, and that's what he did against the
3: Dolphins. First read every time. Forkham. Forkham. Finally. And this one, who, you know, hmm. again, goes to show you, you never know in the NFL. Here we are uh, before Thanksgiving, Carolina Panthers 4-6. and six. Coming up, oh, man, guys, at Raiders, at Seahawks, home to Chargers, who aren't going to lose again, according to half this room, <laughs> at Redskins. <laughs> I said they, they,
4: could, they could not lose. Brutals, and then home versus They're the done. Falcons. They're done. Fork them. That schedule's brutal, and we don't know about Luke Keekly status.
5: They, yeah,
3: right. Keekly's status. I would have forked
4: them even if Keekley and
5: Addison and whoever else they lost in that game that I'm forgetting. Khalil. Uh, Ryan Khalil.
3: Fork him. Keekley is a big loss, and you would assume you don't know with the brain stuff, uh, head injuries, how long they'll keep him out, but it could be the next two weeks against two of the best teams in the league. He right missed now.
5: three games last year with, with a concussion. The cut
3: Chiefs' out. loss is what really killed him this year. I mean, they still they yep. would have been in much better shape. Yep. All right. I'm, and you are I'm with you. Panthers I'm with you. Market. Any X you know factors know here? Keith Pyle What was that, Connor? Keith pile dude <laughs> All right. Here we go. You guys ready? Here are the Fark teams for the 2016 season. Wait, I lost track. Hang on. <laughs> <It's> A, <laughs> L-A, Carry the one. Arizona. And uh, who's the last one? You can leave this th- in as long as, as Dan we can go. swear. <laughs> <clears throat> the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> the Los Angeles Rams. The Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> the Carolina Panthers.
4: You keep going, you're going to find that Scottish accent that's been so
3: elusive. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> I guess. That's it, and we—that's uh, it for the season. There we go. We have forked eight teams, no, nine teams. So, you know, it's thirty-two teams in the league minus nine. Yeah, I would have called them. I was bold.
1: It's—I would not
3: forking. I would not say that. should it. have been an even ten. Did we fork the bucks? <laughs> yeah, we. They're five and five. No, we didn't. Oh, you want we to fork? Didn't
4: do it? It? Oh, Greg saved them earlier in the year.
3: You want me to nominate the five hundred bucks to, for forking?
4: I don't know. We're,
5: we're not a forking. Game out first.
3: We're not forking the Bucks if we didn't fork the Chargers. Come on, that's not fair. Okay.
5: I hope I hope they make it. They I got sandwiches, the Bucks. but I don't feel too good. Okay. We won't. Sorry, okay. Bucks.
3: Fork those uniforms. Thanksgiving. Three games on the slate. And we'll start with the team of around the NFL. Oh. Such a big win in their building. Uh, against the Cardinals to break that four-game losing streak. Now six and four, uh, they control their destiny right now in that division, don't they? They're in first place, right?
5: Well, if I don't think any of these teams control their destiny, I mean, they cause take they're this gonna, game, they do. You know what I mean? Just because they're going to have multiple losses, they can't control a week. You know, they don't. They, they're 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 just trying to get a win. Each of these teams they had a four-game losing, losing streak.
3: streak. Okay. They're 6-4. They're in first place. How dare you, Dan? In the NFC North. Now they travel to Detroit. So here we are, uh, two 6-4 teams. Uh, But I'll tell you what, Chris Wessling, uh, I feel like things potentially setting up well again for the Vikings. The Lions 6-4, but as we know, have been trailing in the fourth quarter of every game this season. Hardly a juggernaut.
4: Yeah, I know I'm supposed to respect the Lions. They're a first-place team. I I don't respect them. I'm sorry. They're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. They're far more entertaining than than they had any reason to hope. But they could have lost all 10 of their games this year easily. I mean, I just – I can't take them seriously. When you're losing every game in the fourth quarter, I can't take you seriously. And the Vikings, I saw the pounding they put on Carson Palmer. The Lions' offensive line is much better than Arizona's, but – I still see the Vikings as the stronger of the two teams here.
5: Well, this is a game, a rematch from just a few weeks ago, which I wish they wouldn't do that. This was the golden tate, you know, leg drop of Andrew uh, Sendejo game. And that was a game I believe the Lions really couldn't run the ball at all. You expect that they won't be able to run the ball. Last week we asked on this podcast, Xavier Rhodes, make a play. Everson Griffin, let's see, uh, you know, Anthony Barr, let's make a play. And you know what? They did it. They took over that game. All their big-time defensive players took over that game. And to me, their defense should be enough to slow down a Lions offense, which hasn't been as explosive the last few weeks.
1: I agree. I mean, the Vikings haven't allowed any receiver all year to go over 100 yards. And if you look at Jim Caldwell's tenure in Detroit, he hasn't had a 100-yard rusher since he was hired. The only
4: team in the league over that span. Sure. That it's
1: one. I mean it's it's Colts like on some level. And it's it's um I, I I think the factor that it's in Detroit actually is big because Minnesota to me, in Minnesota, is is just a different team. But Minnesota's defense and their secondary were the difference last week. Their secondary was absolutely fantastic. Had a had a season high fifteen hits on Carson Palmer. I this I think Dan you said this might be a good spot for them. Mm. It might be and it's and I think if you lose this game in your Minnesota, I don't know what's happening from here on out. You win it, you're seven and four on top of a division that is not very good.
5: Right, cuz you're essentially two games back if you lose this cuz the Lion the Lions will have swept you. Oof, need it. Got to get it. Got to have it, need it and got to have it. Lion Lions need to get uh, a pass rush going a little more consistently. Uh, I know one Ezekiel Ansa has proven Ziggy. particularly disappointing to one member of, of our podcast.
2: Yeah, it hasn't been a great week for me.
5: You I'm uh you you famously <laughs> put a sandwich <laughs> what was the sandwich that Ziggy Ansa would have would fifteen sacks? No, that year? he would lead, lead the, the
2: league. Ad- he was third last year. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how many not a sandwich, Craig. Four sandwiches. Sack. Not one. Not zero,
5: one. Zero
4: sacks. Well zero that's sacks. part of the reason why the Lions passer rating on defense is 108.5, which would be the third highest since the NFL merger in 1970. Sam Bradford can pass on this team. Hmm. He has a 131 rating on passes over 20 yards. He's going downfield this year. Adam Thielen, good game last week. Cordero Patterson, a unique receiver with that explosiveness and physicality. I think the Vikings passing game is better than – if if they get protection, they can do some. It's been a little better since they – went to Shermer.
5: You They're averaging the six
4: more points a game. That's what Pat
5: Shermer
1: does for you. <laughs> I want to find out, I mean, Stefan Diggs did not practice again today on Tuesday. Time to go before the game, but that would be yeah. a major loss for them. I mean he's your downfield element. That's What's,
5: a that's what? a thing. The Lions have more bodies. I mean they have Tate, they have Ebron,
4: they have Riddick, they they have more Notice people. you didn't mention Marvin Jones who had four four hundred and eight yards in his first three games, and only two set two sixty eight in his last seven combined. What happened to that? Well, game? they're using Tate so much more.
3: Why can't they use both of them? I and don't understand I, why
5: it's been one followed by the other. Some teams would like well, challenge. I, I'm yeah, I'm sure they'd love. They've been trying to get Marvin Jones involved. It, I'm it guessing
4: he's getting a lot more defensive coverage now.
5: It hasn't worked. You know who did a good job in this first game? Trey Wayne's was all over him, pretty much shut him down in the first time these teams played.
3: Let's pick this game. I want to check in on something here. Mark, you first.
5: I'm gonna go Vikings.
3: Vikings. Great.
5: Oh, I like it. Team of ATL. Across the board.
3: There you go. The Vikings across the board. It's Thanksgiving time now. This is where it gets real. Vikings got to stack up some wins. Sorry, Patra. Not humiliate us in a big spot. So uh, <laughs> let's go, Vikings. Next up, let's talk about, ooh. You know, before the this, this little studio came around to the NFC East, the old Zeus was flying that flag. And I just want to – I welcome – just like the team – In AK, years past, I man. welcome – yes, I yeah. welcome you guys you on to how fun the NFC East is. So because you liked
4: the NFC East when they were horribly boring and wretched, uh, you deserve credit there. for
3: that? No, some of us always saw the positive elements of the division and West, the rivalries this is one of those,
1: play. you know, Dan Hanses narratives that it would be easier for you just to get in line and accept on air. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, NFC East
3: is great, guys. Whatever Dan wants. I'm just saying, you know – a, a lesser man might say, oh, now you're going to have some fun with NFC East after you've been bagging on it for years. That's what now, analysts do. Come on board. Well, when you things are worthy of so respect, saying,
5: they give it you. essentially just said that to us. So you're saying some divisions, you know, quality
3: go up and down over time? Welcome back, <laughs> guys. Welcome back. That's all I can say. I've been here the whole time keeping the lights on. NFC East battle between the Redskins and the Cowboys at Big <laughs> D. And I love this. This is the best matchup of the day to me because – week. The, mm. All right. The week the Kirk the Cousins. The year! Le- well, the century! Hold on. <laughs> the Kirk Cousins led Redskins. Uh, and Kirk. All right. Yeah, come back to me a little bit. What? Yeah.
1: 20? Come on. You know, he's
3: airing the ball. What a tremendous game he had on Sunday night. Ooh. Then he's. He's going up to his GM and dropping catchphrases on his GM. Calm down with that stuff. Let's finish the season out.
5: We got to get that as a sound drop. It wasn't a catchphrase. That was a genuine moment that someone happened to catch on their camera. I love the fact that he's going up to his boss and basically saying, how you like me now? Wouldn't you like to do that after a great end-around posters, like, go right into Tom Brady's office and be like, how hey, you like me now? I just dropped the
1: metrics. Greg, who now is no Brady's boss, another, can, can excite here. himself about these, <laughs> these, these arrangements. I'm saying it's kind of cool Wouldn't that be a cool job to have, you know, that
5: you
3: could just be Starting quarterback
1: in the NFL? Yeah, that's sure. what I'm saying. Where you could just I mean,
3: drop that on your boss. Give me some money. That's, that's, Greg confused thousands of listeners there's a tom brady that works here as well Oh, that's true not the nfl quarterback famous shadowy league figure tom brady uh anyway so kirk cousins played out of his mind in poor conditions on sunday night football and bombing the packers and now he goes to detroit to dallas where the cowboys are obviously beating everybody they haven't lost the game in like 76 days they're nine and one something's got to give here greg rosenthal what does
5: well, I would say the Redskins defense, a group which has flummoxed me all year. I'm not sure if they're good, if they're bad, if they're exciting, if they're boring. They're they are middle of the road. I think what they are is overachieving. Uh, I think they've done a good job with what they have, but I don't think they're any match for a team like the Cowboys, who eventually ground down Philadelphia and they ground down Baltimore, they're going to have their way with, with Washington. There might not be any drives in this game, though, now that I think of it. I mean, these any are two team, many drives. Two teams that just hold the ball in these long drives, may, maybe that makes it a close game.
4: I don't need to sell this game to Mark Sessler, who is about to have a football gasm when these two teams take the field. Ew. As much as you have Ooh. liked these two teams over the Ooh, past that's a good point. six weeks or so, but I'm going to sell it anyway. These are the two best red, Redskins and Cowboys teams. Of the 21st century,
5: wow! Yeah,
4: well, and I don't even the think I don't think this is the best oh, Cowboys team, and this is the
5: best Redskins. Team. I think you can certainly debate that about the Cowboys in their 2007.
4: You love their 2000. What was it? Their 13 and three 2017.
5: It was a good team. They had a they had a better defense, I would say maybe then, and, and just about as good an offense.
4: The Cowboys, the Cowboys are number five in scoring defense this year. They're number three in rushing defense. They have gone eight straight games over 400 yards on offense, something only been done by the 2013 Broncos and 2007 Patriots. This is a well-rounded team, and they've never won eight straight games in a regular season before. This team is doing things the Cowboys have never done, and the Redskins are on pace to set franchise records in yards, passing yards, and yards per play.
1: I mean, the, the Cowboys are built in a way that this is their time of year. You want to talk about a team – it's one of the few teams in the league that says, come at us. Try to stop Ezekiel Elliott. Try to stop us from running 13, 14, 15 play drives that take nine minutes off the clock. It's not all Ezekiel Elliott. That eight-minute
4: drive or seven-minute drive last week to close out the game was not all Ezekiel Elliott. It was Dak,
1: and it was Des Bryant and Cole Beasley and Jason Witten and Terrence Williams. My concern in this game, if you're Dallas, and I look, I think they're going to win the game, but Mo Claiborne, Mm -hmm. Barry Church – Both out, potentially. Looks like they will be. And you're looking at a Redskins offense that doesn't need eight minutes to score. They are... Kirk Cousins was dropping dimes last week. Huge plays. And they are connecting on big plays. Jamison Crowder, three 100-yard games in the last four weeks. If one guy's out... The next guy steps in for the Washington. And and seeing Garcon go deep was a good sign for them. You're right. They
5: have expanded their offense, whereas now they get big plays. And those were not there until about two or three weeks ago. It's crazy, Wes. I'm trying to think of a Redskins team. You might be
4: right that this team is
1: it's better than any There's not much to pick Redskins from team. from the Redskins. I mean,
4: the RG3 year they were solid. They were I think know, the year that the Brunel team. was their quarterback, Clinton Portis was still in his prime, Santana Moss was still in his prime. That's a they 10 win. and 6 team that loses in the first round. Right. This team I think is better and more explosive.
5: I I I think there is a recipe for them to win here, which is just that, you know, there's three or four drives per team per half and that Washington's offense is good enough to just keep scoring every drive. And, you know, it's 23 to 26
1: minutes left in the fourth. You know, they forced Cowboys to kick a couple field goals. They got a chance. Ezekiel Elliott's second worst day came against the Redskins, but I would argue that was in week two before the real Ezekiel Elliott emerged. I agree. Not much would surprise me about this
4: game. One of the few things that would surprise me is if the Redskins shut down Ezekiel
1: Elliott. It's
5: crazy
4: to think back to
5: week two because I would have never guessed that these teams would have been that this good in week two. I would have thought these teams are kind of mediocre teams, I mean, they're teams at best. The Redskins were—they were weren't this good in
3: week two. You guys all right. got the Cowboys here, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> I think this is the week they're going to hit a speed bump. Washington's going to pick them off on uh, Thanksgiving. I
1: like that. That's nice. nice you going to lock King. it up?
5: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a crazy one to lock. That's up. a little too it crazy. Would, to lock it up. would
4: fit your definition of lock.
3: Well, you got to be truly confident. I'm not that confident about it. I just feel that okay. you don't understand the segment, Wes. When, I, I don't. When when you figure it out. We'll talk about it. Okay. Finally, Pittsburgh travels to Indianapolis. This is the NBC uh, Thursday night uh, affair. And uh, this one took – we had a bit of a uh, back and forth in the newsroom uh, on Sunday about whether this game was good or not. And Greg got very excited and animated and explained, oh, this is your chance to see two of the great quarterbacks of the generation. Oh, only now – we find out that one of them, Andrew Luck, probably is not going to play because he has a concussion, and that leaves us with Ben Roethlisberger against
5: Scott Tolzien.
3: Scott Tolzien. And I can't get excited about this game. Nor should you. No, that ruins it.
4: I mean, in Greg's defense, I think that the big Ben-Andrew Luck game from a couple years ago was the most exciting
5: right. game I've seen
1: oh, no, I was in my life.
4: They're two of two of my
5: favorite five or six quarterbacks Greg to went watch. off on of David
3: Ealy. About this. It got really
1: personal. What, and why, why David Ely? All I said
5: was he was saying it was not that great a game. Like, that's a good game. Actually, I don't care what the records exactly are. What and happened they're both
3: was, in the playoff mix. Ely and I were talking about the game, and Greg was kind of slumped at his computer working. And then out of nowhere, Greg just starts firing shots at Ely, Like, you know, basically telling him he doesn't know what he's talking about. It was it was fun. fun it was like news. boss heat. It was a no. little, bo- little former boss against current boss. He- Ooh, I like that. That's Marking not true. his
5: territory. That's just me being Maybe. comfortable. You know, I like to making other people comfortable. Make my opinions known. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so the Steelers, who need this game obviously in in the worst way, get just a massive break, and you know, you know, teams get lucky sometimes. So they should be able to take care of business, right? I mean, for those of us who believe that Andrew Luck
4: carries a. Horrendously weak roster. Mm, We're gonna get to see if that's you know how much of that is true. Can Scott Tolzien do anything against a mediocre Steelers defense?
1: I mean, we haven't Scout seen Scott Tolzien. <laughs> Scott Tolzien. We haven't seen Tolzien <laughs> since you know 2013, essentially. I, and I, if you would
3: have told me that he was out of the foo- out of football since 1998, I would have believed you. I, that, that name, is just, <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm just completely. I thought that name was like he graduated from you know Tulsa back in 1990. It would not have been something that was like face. a preteen
1: in 98. But fair enough. I mean, but it's Andrew Luck who, despite taking the sacks he does and his ability to throw under pressure, they they've allowed 35 sacks. That's the most on any single quarterback in the league. And I know that we don't like Pittsburgh's pass rush. It's not our favorite in the league, but they cranked it up against Cleveland last week. Crank so they, it up. Maybe they're starting to come into their own eight sacks, and they, they were disruptive. And James Harrison, who I'm convinced is not a human human being, is still playing well. They knocked Kessler out of the game and hit
4: Josh McCown harder than they hit Cody Kessler. Hmm. They body-rocked several quarterbacks for the Browns and several other players. This whole defense was hitting. Right. Well, it's a chance for them
5: to get some momentum because you would think they would have a positive game on the turf. It's a shame for everyone at you know Indianapolis. Never had a Thanksgiving night game before. Probably won't again for another 10, 15 years. This, would have, this was going to be a cool thing. And the Colts were showing signs. I mean, we, we bang on the whole rest of the team here, but they they beat the Packers fairly convincingly. They beat the Titans, who we love, twice. Their defense made some plays. Shut down DeMarco Murray last uh, week. I mean, that Clayton Gethers play to essentially win the game was a, was his second game-winning play of the year. They're playing better. Eric Walden, he's been a punching bag as a signing uh, and he's had a pretty good year for them. Got like 8 sacks. Nice try. He's been the okay. Quarterback holds the ball long enough Walden will eventually get He's there. been okay. <laughs> Robert Mathis who's been a, a disaster really for them until the last couple weeks is showing some
4: signs, a couple little. This stuff. is a Curtis Painter level crisis for the Colts right now. Here's a little stat from the research packet, Dan. Ooh, I like that. Teams that are 6-5 and five make the playoffs 46% of the time. Teams that are 5-6 and six make the playoffs 13% of the time. Oh. Big game in Indy.
3: There you go. Great work, everybody. You know, I was just trying to do some research, trying to figure out who was playing halftime at uh, Ford Field some past, this is the five year anniversary of Nickelback playing. Oh my God. Show that led to an anniversary. How many
1: people beyond you are marking (laughs) the anniversary of that? It
3: was green lighted that disaster. It was, there was an actual protest. And I remember we weren't allowed to write about it because it became such a touchy issue around around the Detroit lions. I can't find anything to tell me who will be playing this year, but I found an article, an MTV article from 2001. Um, (laughs) Uh, With the headline, uh, here's the lead. There's one more thing Creed fans can be thankful for this Thanksgiving. Not only will Creed's new album, Weather, drop two days prior to Turkey Day, Scott Stapp, Mark Tremonti, and Scott Phillips will be part of the halftime festivities of the annual Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving game. Greg, who knows what a whoop in the society? You got Creed bombed.
5: (laughs) I was wondering, you know, during our uh, conversation of
4: that last game, why you were tuned out
5: more than usual. Now I know. I don't care about you're, Scott you're reading, Tolzien reading football. You are reading
3: about Creed. Yeah. Well, that was 2001. I don't know who's playing on Thursday. <laughs>
4: Time better spent than Scott Tolzien discussions.
3: Um, all right. We will be back uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, with a uh, uh, different week, of course, Thanksgiving here in the States. We'll be previewing the rest of the uh, Week 12 games, so make sure you come back and listen to us again or you know, you know, keep it, save it, have it downloaded and then after Thanksgiving, when you're you know, relaxing, hopefully you're off on Friday, you know, fire up the old around the NFL podcast preview special for week 12. I don't know, do whatever you want. I don't care. Save our Sydney. <laughs> save our Sydney. <laughs> or don't. I don't care. I care. I want I, you to. I would prefer that you do. But we prefer you do. This is Dan Hanza signing off for the Quiet Storm. The mailman, the boss, and La Cid behind the glass till Wednesday. Down, lean,
2: lean yeah. straight up
3: banging on my posture in a big spot
1: guy just had a baby yeah bro i mean he wasn't he didn't have a baby i'm saying he sort of did
0: you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day.